This is part two of how to recognize true messengers. If you missed the first part, it was from the 21st of September, and we went over the aspect of by their words, and tonight we're going to be going over by their works. As we approach the topic, I want to remind us of the warning that God gives us in Scripture. 2 Nephi 4.34 O Lord, I have trusted in thee, and I will trust in thee forever. I will not put my trust in the arm of flesh, for I know that cursed is he that putteth his trust in the arm of flesh. Yea, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm. Second, uh, I'd follow that up, Second Nephi 28, 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts, shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. And lastly, Doctrine and Covenants 45, verses 56 and 57. And at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. So I bring that up because we're going to go over several of the aspects that, that make up true servants, that uh, true servants throughout scripture, as we, as we demonstrate, uh, as we'll demonstrate tonight, there, there are certain patterns that these true servants follow. And we, we uh, saw it with Joseph Smith also. And as we follow these patterns, we need to recognize where these might be counterfeited by those who are not true servants. And in the end, we have to always go to the Lord and ask him for confirmation. Heavenly Father, I think this is a true servant. Is it? Um, is this person thy servant? Is this that this person said or did, did that come from you? And so ultimately, we always need to have our backbone uh, our end filter, uh, the last word, be Heavenly Father, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so first that we're going to go down is uh, Moroni 7, starting in verse 5 and 6 here. So, for I remember the word of God which saith, By their works ye shall know them. For if their works be good, then they are good also. For behold, God hath said, A man being evil cannot do that which is good. For if he offereth a gift, or prayeth unto God, except he shall do it with real intent, it profiteth him nothing. And then we go to verse 10 through 14. Wherefore, a man being evil cannot do that which is good, neither, neither will he give a good gift. For behold, a bitter fountain cannot bring forth good water, neither can a good fountain bring forth bitter water. Wherefore, a man being a servant of the devil cannot follow Christ. And if he follow Christ, he cannot be a servant of the devil. 
Wherefore, all things which are good cometh of God, and that which is evil cometh of the devil. For, for the devil is an enemy to God, and fighteth against him continually, and inviteth and enticeth to sin, and to do that which is evil continually. But behold, that which is of God inviteth and enticeth to do good continually. Wherefore, everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good and to love God and to serve him is inspired of God. Wherefore, take heed, my beloved brethren, that ye do not judge that which is evil to be of God or that which is good and of God to be the devil. Now, I want to pause here before we move on. And this, I feel like a lot of times we take we take the stance of, uh, of those who are taking, uh, that which is good and assigning it to be of evil or of the devil. But how many times do we take, do we do the inverse where we, as it says, we take that which is evil or judge that which is evil to be of God. So we also need to be equally as diligent at, uh, at discerning those things that are proclaimed to be of God, but in reality, they are evil. Okay. So moving forward in uh, continuing in verse 19 and then 31. Wherefore, I beseech of you, brethren, that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ, that ye may know good from evil. And if ye will lay hold upon every good thing and condemn it not, ye certainly will be a child of Christ. Now, just to unpack this a little bit, searching diligently in the light of Christ. The light of Christ is the means by which we receive communication. And there are different magnitudes of this light of Christ, but it is always the light of Christ, whether it's our conscience uh, at the outset, you know, from when, our, when we're born, receiving the light of Christ, that's one level. And then after we, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost through the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, we get the light of Christ at a higher and more concentrated level. And then after we come into the Lord's presence and the fullness of his glory, we receive a greater concentration of the light of Christ, but it, it is all the light of Christ. So searching diligently in the light of Christ is doing what I uh, suggested earlier, that we are always going back to Heavenly Father and saying, Heavenly Father, I just had this experience. I just saw this thing. I just heard this thing. I just had this revelation. I just had this dream. I just had this, uh, this vision. I just saw this person do this miracle. Did that come from you? And seek revelation from Heavenly Father, who is the giver of all good gifts, whether those things were from him. Okay. All right, then in verse 31. And the office of their ministry, there being angels, 
is to call men unto repentance and to fulfill and to do the work of the covenants of the Father, which he hath made unto the children of men, to prepare the way among the children of men by declaring the word of Christ unto the chosen vessels of the Lord, that they may bear testimony of him. And I would submit that this is equally applicable to mortals who are receiving the word from the Lord by the power of the Holy Ghost and then transmitting that word by the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, that that's the office of their ministry also to call men to repentance and fulfill and do all the works and covenants of the Father. All right, now. We need to ask ourselves in this, in these verses and throughout scripture, it says many times uh, the word good. We need to understand what the Lord considers good. We're going to go to Doctrine and Covenants 3512 because here the Lord gives us a clue, uh, an obvious clue as to what he considers good. And anything that is called good in the scriptures is going to filter into, uh, into this. So again, Doctrine and Covenants 35, 12. And there are none that doeth good except those who are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel, which I have sent forth unto this generation. Now, ready to receive the fullness of my gospel. We've spoken previously in, uh, and extensively in other recordings, other videos about that the fullness of the gospel is the doctrine of Christ. It is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, which is faith. It is, uh, and I would say offering a, uh, a broken heart, uh, repentance, which is a contrite spirit, and we're turning our life, our entire life, not just an itemized list of things one does wrong or right, but turning one's entire life over to the Lord and saying, it belongs to you now, do with it what, what thou will. And then the baptism of water, which is into the Melchizedek priesthood, or which is done through the Melchizedek priesthood, the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, which is a heavenly experience. Uh, for reference on that, uh, go to Helaman 5, uh, verses 22 to the end, and read that account there. And also, 35, 19, and uh, I want to say verses 14 through 19 there, where they are receiving the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. These are two explicit examples that we should take to understand if I have received this, there's a likely chance that I've had the, that I've received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And if I haven't had this experience, I, I'm almost definitely have not had and received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, which is required for uh, redemption and salvation. And lastly, after receiving that, enduring to the end, and again, we're defining what the fullness of the gospel is enduring to the end 
means that after we have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, we will do as Nephi describes in 2 Nephi 31, uh, chapters, chapters 31 and 32, that we will feast upon the words of Christ. When we receive that higher concentration of the light of Christ, we receive Christ's law, which is dynamic and not static. It's continual. We receive it every day and we receive it throughout the day. When we follow all of those commandments, that is enduring to the end. And the end is Christ's presence. Coming into his presence in the fullness of his glory or being taken up to the seventh heaven on the high mountain as, uh, as Moses and Nephi describe it and come into the Lord's presence and receive what is called the second comforter. So again, going back, when it says, when it talks about doing good or one is good, it needs to, if it's anything else than filtering into this new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and living the doctrine of Christ, then it does not meet the Lord's standard for what is good. As he defined again in Doctrine and Covenants 35, and just to recap, there are none that doeth good except those who are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel, which I have sent forth unto this generation. Okay. Now, if we don't do this, um, or we say we invent what, what is good in our eyes, then we are guilty of, uh, of the warning in Doctrine and Covenants 1, 14 through 16. Okay, let me see here. And the arm of the Lord shall be revealed, and the day cometh that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord receiving, uh, seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation. That's the voice of the Lord. Neither the voice of his servants, those who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Again, we went over this in part one. Um, so any of you who missed that, um, go back to that. There's uh, some good content in that. Neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles. And there's this is an extension of those servants. And I would say even those prophecies, which are in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, and, um, you know, scripture in general, shall be cut off from among the people. For they, those who are not doing these things, those who are not living by every word which comes forth out of the mouth of God, whether by himself, by his servants, by his prior servants in the scriptures. For they have strayed from mine ordinances and have broken mine everlasting covenant. And the everlasting covenant is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. They seek not the Lord to establish his righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way and after the image of his own God, whose image is in the likeness of the world and whose substance is that of an idol, which waxeth old and shall perish in Babylon. Even Babylon the great 
which shall fall. So this is a warning the Lord is giving us that we are to walk in his way and not after the way that we consider something that we consider good, um, something that we consider righteous, um, something that we consider true. We need to lay our entire mindset, our entire paradigm on the altar for the Lord and say, if there is something that I believe that is not true, I ask you to please replace it with truth. And if there are things that are true, please witness it to me and further base it on my foundation, which is on Christ or which I desire to be on Christ. And because I desire to be firmly rooted on the rock of Christ, I am willing to be told whatever is untrue in my paradigm and have it replaced with true. Yeah, with truth. All right. Now let's get into a handful of the, of the actions, uh, the demonstrations that true servants demonstrate. First is humility pointing to Christ and not themselves or other men. So first we'll go to Acts 10, starting in verse 24 through 26. All right. In the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and on the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up. I myself also am a man. So we can look at ourselves. How do we treat other men? Do we treat them as greater than ourselves if we consider them men of God? Or do we consider them as fellow servants, as brothers or sisters, um, as the case may be? Do we see them as on an equal playing field? And do we listen to them through the filter of the spirit or do we listen to them by nature of what others may have told them about us or an ecclesiastical position? If one has a pastor or um, a bishop or an archbishop, a pope, prophet, whoever it is, how do we, how do we treat them? Um, and how do we act towards them? We have to ask ourselves if we're doing something like unto either bowing for them or standing for them in a revered silence, we need to ask ourselves and we need to ask the Lord, am I worshiping this person? And if I am, uh, help me to only worship you and to put men who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost in their proper place. That we're grateful for those who are true servants of the Lord, but we do not elevate them higher than, uh, 
higher than ourselves. We, we should be equals before God. Mm-hmm. And, and we should be endeavoring to be those who hear and speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, not for our own aggrandizement or our own popularity, but that others may come to know Jesus Christ. And only that. That we joy only in the, in the opportunity to bring people to Jesus Christ. Matthew 19, 17. And he said unto him, why callest, and this is Jesus Christ speaking. And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So even Jesus Christ himself in speaking to the, this is the experience of speaking to the, the young rich man. Even Christ abases himself and says, there is none good. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. True servants will do the exact same thing. Why do you revere me? Why are you kneeling for me? Why are you standing for me? Stop it. I'm just a man. And, and I don't deserve any of your praise. Give all your praise to the Lord. Mosiah 2, verses 10 and 11. I have not commanded you to come up hither that ye should fear me. This is King Benjamin speaking. Or that ye should think that I of myself am more than a mortal man. But I am like as yourselves, subject to all manner of infirmities in body and mind. Yet I have been chosen by this people and consecrated by my father and was suffered by the hand of the Lord that I should be a ruler and a king over this people and have been kept and preserved by his matchless power to serve you with all the might, mind, and strength which the Lord hath granted unto me. Now, King Benjamin was not only a political king for for this people. Um, If you read prior chapters to this, uh, you'll see that King Benjamin endeavored his entire reign as also a ministry, teaching uh, with others, other holy men, as it says, to, to share the true gospel. You know, again, hearkening back to Doctrine and Covenants 3512, that he is endeavoring to get his people to learn about and live the new covenant and to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, which... We won't read it tonight, but the culmination of this address is that his people received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, entering the new covenant with the Lord and becoming the children of Jesus Christ. Alma 18, verses 16 and 17. And it came to pass that Ammon, being filled with the Spirit of God, therefore he perceived the thoughts of the king. And he said unto him, 
Is it because thou hast heard that I defended thy servants and thy flocks and slew seven of their brethren with the sling and with the sword and smote off the arms of others in order to defend thy flocks and thy servants? Behold, is it this thing that causeth thy marvelings? I say unto you, what is it that thy marvelings are so great? Behold, I am a man and I am thy servant. Therefore, whatsoever thou desirest, which is right, that will I do. So knowing that the king knew what he had done, even so, he, uh, he admitted to the king, King Lamoni, that he was not but a man. And even he, he confesses to the king that I'm just, I'm just <laughs> a servant. <laughs> I'm just one who's, who's, uh, who has the spirit of the Lord and am trying to follow it. First Nephi 7, verses 19 through 21. Okay, and it came to pass that they were angry with me again, this is Nephi, and sought to lay hands upon me. But behold, one of the daughters of Ishmael, yea, and also her mother, and one of the sons of Ishmael did plead with my brethren, insomuch that they did soften their hearts, and they did cease striving to take away my life. And it came to pass that they were sorrowful, they being his brothers, uh, Nephi's brothers, because of their wickedness, insomuch that they did bow down before me, and did plead with me that I would forgive them of the thing that they had done against me. And it came to pass that I did frankly forgive them all that they had done, and I did exhort them that they would pray unto their God for forgiveness. And it came to pass that they did so. And after they had done praying unto the Lord, we did again travel on our journey towards the tent of our father. Now Nephi's brothers sought to take away his life. And when they realized what they had done and, and came to themselves and they bowed before him to, to forgive them, he didn't belabor it. He, he frankly, as it says, forgave them and directed them to God. Even, even in that period where he, he had... Uh, I mean, we would say he had justification to, you know, to further pound them into the ground <laughs> with humility. But no, he he didn't he didn't want uh, them to focus on him for forgiveness. But he frankly forgave them and turned them to the Lord. Next, First Nephi seventeen fifty five, and we have a similar situation as we just read. And now. They said, again, Nephi and his brethren, and they are his brethren, we know of a surety that the Lord is with thee, for we know that it is the power of the Lord that has shaken us. And they fell down before me and were about to worship me. But I would not suffer them, saying, I am thy brother, yea, even thy younger brother. Wherefore, worship the Lord thy God, and honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee. Again, he's directing them away from him. They're giving him their attention and their praise and their worship even. But he says, no, don't, 
don't come to me. It doesn't matter that you know that the Lord is with me. Go to God. I direct you to God. Go to him. Worship him. All right. Now, again, just as I mentioned at the beginning, if there are any other scriptures that came to mind about that subject, then please write them down, uh, put them in the chat and, uh, and share with others. And if they're, um, if you are able to stay at the end, uh, please share those that you have written down that, uh, that we can all be edified together. Next administering to the poor or directing to administer to the poor. First, we'll go to Jacob 2, verses 17 through 19. Think of your brethren like unto yourselves, and be familiar with all and free with your substance, that they may be rich like unto you. But before ye seek for riches, seek ye for the kingdom of God. And after ye have obtained a hope in Christ, you shall obtain riches if ye seek them, and ye will seek them for the intent to do good, and to clothe the naked, and to feed the hungry, and to liberate the captive, and administer relief to the sick and afflicted. He is, if you're not looking for it, it's, it's subtle there, but he is saying that first... You shouldn't seek rich, uh, seek riches necessarily just so you can serve other people. But he says, first, seek ye the kingdom of God. This is like unto where it says in Doctrine and Covenants at, at the uh, beginning again, uh, DNC 35, none that doeth good except those that are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel or those who seek for the kingdom of God. And after ye have obtained a hope in Christ, ye shall obtain riches if ye seek them. And then here's what's, here's what's somewhat subtle. He's telling them to, to seek them for the intent to, to do good. That they clothe the naked. That they feed the hungry. That they liberate the captive. And they administer relief to the sick and the afflicted. Something that I uh, that has been part of my path in coming to the Lord is the direction to to use the uh, the offerings that I would previously give to my church institution and to to seek revelation from the Lord. How would you have me use these funds? These funds still belong to thee. But how do you want me to use them? And when I did that, it made my offering so much more meaningful to me because I wasn't just writing a check anymore. I wasn't just transferring funds that somebody else could do the service. Now I was able to use the funds in the way that the Lord directed me, which also increased my relationship with the Lord, that seeking uh, seeking his will in the matter allowed me to know how best to use those and being the proverbial boots on the ground i could i could be where i needed to be and speak to whom 
I needed to speak and give where I needed to give. And in doing so, I, I was greatly enriched. And, uh, and the Lord taught me a lot of things with that. Next, uh, next example, Mosiah 4, 16 through 25. And it goes through this, uh, this exact account. And see in this, as we've just as we've just made that specification of the Lord telling us that we should do with our means as directed by him to serve the less fortunate than we. Keep that in mind as we read through this. So starting in verse 16 in Mosiah 4. And also ye yourselves will succor those that stand in need of your succor. It's not even hidden there. Ye yourselves will succor those who stand in need of your succor. Ye will administer of your substance unto him that standeth in need, and ye will not suffer that the beggar putteth up his petition to you in vain, and turn him out to perish. Perhaps thou shalt say the man has brought upon himself his misery, therefore I will stay my hand, and will not give unto him of my food, nor impart unto him of my substance, that he may not suffer, for his punishments are just. I can tell you that I have done this many times in my life. And if you're honest with yourselves, admit to yourselves and to the Lord, if you are doing this, that I would see somebody on the side of the road with a sign. And I would say to myself, they're just going to use it for drugs. They're just going to use it for alcohol. They're just going to use it for promiscuity. Um, they're going to misuse it. So therefore, I'm going to withhold my hand and they got themselves into this position. Um, perhaps I'll say a little prayer. Heavenly Father, help them out of their position. When in fact, the Lord has given me an opportunity to help them out of their position. So we need to be honest with ourselves, how we go about our day. And especially those promptings that we receive and that we cast aside and that we deny because of our, uh, what we consider our better judgment, that we, we will withhold from giving to them because they're just going to use it for things that are going to hurt them. Therefore, I'm actually helping them by not giving to them. Verse 18, but I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. And except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth forever and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. For behold, are we not all beggars? Do we not all depend upon that same being, even God, for all the substance which we have, for both food and raiment and for gold and for silver and for all the riches which we have of every kind? Do we admit that everything that we have is from the Lord, not just with our lips, but with our hearts? Because if we're doing it only with our lips, then when the opportunity to give comes, then we're reticent. But if we say that with our hearts, then we freely give. Verse 20, and behold, even at this time, ye have been calling on his name and begging for a remission of your sins. And has he suffered that ye have begged in vain? Nay, he has poured out his spirit upon you. 
and has caused that your hearts should be filled with joy, and has caused that your mouths should be stopped, that ye could not find utterance. So exceedingly great was your joy. And now, if God, who has created you, on whom you are dependent for your lives, and for all that ye have and are, doth grant unto you whatsoever ye ask that is right, in faith, believing that ye shall receive, then how ye ought to impart of the substance that ye have one to another. And if ye judge the man who putteth up his petition to you for your substance that he perish not, and condemn him, how much more just will be your condemnation for withholding your substance, which doth not belong to you, but to God, to whom also your life belongeth. And yet ye put up no petition, nor repent of the thing which thou hast done. I say unto you, Woe unto that man, for his substance shall perish with him. And now I say these things unto those who are rich as pertaining to the things of this world. And again, I say unto the poor, ye who have not, and yet have sufficient, that ye remain from day to day. I mean all you who deny the beggar because ye have not. I would that ye say in your hearts that I give not because I have not, but if I had, I would give. And now if ye say this in your hearts, ye remain guiltless, otherwise ye are condemned, and your condemnation is just, for ye covet that which ye have not received. And I feel impressed to, uh, to add to this, that if we are in dire straits, and yet we are in debt because we have mismanaged that which the Lord has given us, we are just as guilty because we have chosen, instead of using the Lord's means in a wise and proper way, that we might have wherewith to give to those less fortunate than we. We have spent them on our lusts. And in doing so, we rob God and we rob the poor. And now we are in a hole that we have dug for ourselves because we seek after the things of the world. And if that seems harsh, then take it to the Lord. Next, the, the uh, two scriptures uh, in Mark and Luke pertain to the rich and the widow, comparing that which the rich offered and that which the widow offered. First, Mark 12, verses 38 through 44. And I include 38 through 40 to give context to 41 and, uh, and what Jesus is saying. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes who love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. So it doesn't matter what religion we're part of, um, if we're Christian, what denomination we're part of, all have guilty parties. All religions have guilty parties 
that mirror this exact condemnation. In verse 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and the treasury of the temple, that is, which hold the, uh, the tithes and offerings of the people. And behold, how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain widow, a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So we have to ask ourselves, are we giving just of our excess? Is our church giving just of the excess? In what percentage of the means in the treasury are being given to the poor, to the widow, to the fatherless, to the hungry, to the naked? You know, in these last days, everybody, regardless of denomination or religion, needs to take a close look at themselves and their religion and their uh, ecclesiastical leaders and, and be honest with themselves. Am I and is my organization guilty of this condemnation? Okay, so we've seen that both the uh, to the administering to the poor, true servants will teach to give freely, to not hold back because nothing that we have belongs to us. True servants, next point, are also concerned for the welfare of their people. First Nephi 1, 4 through 5. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, my father Lehi having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. And in that same year they, there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. Wherefore it came to pass that my father Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, yea, even with all his heart in behalf of his people. Now, this is a transition where we're seeing that a, a future or would-be true servant is hearing other current, at that time, true servants who are speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost and prophesying repentance, preaching repentance, lest destruction come, and we are at that place. And if you do not have a witness that we are at that place at this point in time, in October 2021, then I invite you to go to the Lord with real intent and ask him if this is the case. Because I have asked him, and I've received many times, I bear witness to you that we are there. Okay, next. Mosiah 28, verse 3, which we're going to connect to Alma 26. Alma 26. 
And these are the sons of Mosiah, not differing at uh, one whit from Alma, but uh, now verse three. Now they were desirous that salvation should be declared to every creature, for they could not bear that any human soul should perish. Yea, even the very thoughts that any soul should endure, endless torment did cause them to quake and tremble. And fast forwarding to the end of their ministry, this is Ammon speaking, starting in verse 23. Now do ye remember, my brethren, that we said unto our brethren in the land of Zarahemla, we go up to the land of Nephi to preach unto our brethren, the Lamanites, and they laughed us to scorn? Fast forwarding to verse 26. But behold, my beloved brethren, we came into the wilderness, not with the intent to destroy our brethren, but with the intent that perhaps we might save some few of their souls. Now, when our hearts were depressed and we were about to turn back, behold, the Lord comforted us and said, go amongst thy brethren, the Lamanites, and bear with patience thine afflictions, and I will give you success. And now behold, we have come and been forth amongst them. And we have been patient in our sufferings, and we have suffered every privation. Yea, we have traveled from house to house, relying upon the mercies of the world. Not upon the mercies of the world alone, but upon the mercies of God. And we have entered into their houses and taught them, and we have taught them in their streets. Yea, we have taught them upon their hills, and we have entered into their temples in their synagogues and taught them. And we have been cast out and mocked, and spit upon, and smote upon our cheeks, and we have been stoned, and taken, and bound with strong cords, and cast into prison. And through the power and wisdom of God, we have been delivered again, and we have suffered all manner of afflictions, and all this, that perhaps we might be the means of saving some soul. And we suppose that our joy would be full, if perhaps we could be the means of saving some. Now, as we read through this, we covered a handful of different aspects of true messengers that uh, do not have a bullet point tonight. Um, namely, that those who are true messengers, though some may love them, there are many who hate them and they persecute them and they stone them, and they seek their lives. We have to ask ourselves, are those who we hold as true servants fitting that measure? Or do they receive the praise of the world? Okay, next, Alma 4, 18 through 20. Now Alma did not grant unto him the office of being high priest over the church, but he retained the office of high priest unto himself, but he delivered the judgment seat unto Nephihah. And this he did that he himself might go forth among his people or among the people of Nephi, that he might preach the word of God unto them, to stir them up in remembrance of their duty, 
that they might that he might pull down by the word of God all the pride and craftiness and all the contentions which were among his people, seeing no way that he might reclaim them, save it were in bearing down in pure testimony against them. Again, sounds like hearkening to what those prophets who came in Lehi's day, Jeremiah among them, that they were coming among their people, seeing no way that they might reclaim them, save it were in bearing down in pure testimony against them, to call them to repentance because of their wickedness, because of their godless walk. And that godless walk was not devoid of religion. They had their religion, and they were following their religion. And we know this because of the record in which Nephi tells of what his brothers are saying, that we know that our father has, hath judged them, and that they are a righteous people, and that they follow the law of Moses. Do we say the exact same thing? that we consider ourselves and our people to be a righteous people because simply because we follow after a certain way. But that way is not the true doctrine of Christ. And the true doctrine of Christ is taught in plainness in the scriptures, and we've covered that earlier. Verse 20, And thus in the commencement of the ninth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, Alma delivered up the judgment seat to Nephiha and confined himself wholly to the, whole, to the high priesthood of the holy order of God, to, to the testimony of the word according to the spirit. Sorry. According to the spirit of revelation and prophecy. So here, Alma as a true servant, is seeing that he has to go out among the people himself, not sending emissaries necessarily, but he has a responsibility as one who has been called of God and received the experiences that he has received. And we should understand that receiving the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost is not for us. At least it's not for us alone. It's to bring us to a higher plane. It is to sanctify us. But it is to call us to a higher walk of life. And that walk of life is to bring others to Jesus Christ. That they may do the exact same thing that we just did. Okay. Next, we have Alma 31, 1. Now it came to pass that after the end of Korahor, Alma having received tidings that the Zoramites were perverting the ways of the Lord, and that Zoram, who was their leader, was leading the hearts of the people to bow down to dumb idols, his heart be again began to sicken because of the iniquity of the people. And even though we're talking about Alma here and how Alma left his career 
as a judge, as the chief judge. We also need to remember the case of Amulek, who Amulek was called to repentance by the Lord and through the ministration of Alma. And as he and his family repented, he came out before the people and he even said, I'm a man of no small reputation among you. So he had, he had business among the people. He was well known because of his industry. And he forsook that for the glory of God and at, at the command of God to him and he did not turn back. So true servants will lead a life as directed by the Lord. And in many cases, they will leave entirely a life of abundance to enter a life of meager, meager means. To have, as it says in the temple, sufficient for their needs but they are not living in excess. They have enough so that they can subsist and that they can go out and do the work again. And if needed, they, uh, they receive again for their needs and for their family's needs, but their whole heart and soul is devoted to pleasing the Lord and serving the Lord and bringing others to Jesus Christ not to themselves, but to Jesus Christ. Not listen to me, but listen to Jesus Christ. And let me show you what I have done. Let me share with you my experience of coming out of the wilderness of unbelief, of hearkening to the voice of the Spirit and obeying the voice of the Spirit in receiving the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost in continuing to obey the voice of the Spirit and coming into the presence of the Lord in the fullness of his glory. Let me tell you about that. And let me tell you and share with you and experience with you that you might receive the same thing. Not that you might focus on me, but that as your fellow servant and as your brother, I can reach down and bring you up to where I have been brought up. Because that is the pattern. The Lord brings us up. And as he brings us up, he calls us and expects us to bring others up. 3 Nephi 7 verses 15 and 16. And it came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels and also the voice of the Lord, therefore having seen angels and being eyewitness and having had power given unto them, unto him that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ and also being eyewitness to their quick return from righteousness unto their wickedness and abominations. Therefore being grieved for the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds went forth among them in that same year and began to testify boldly repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. One who is a true servant cannot help but want to bring others up. And preaching repentance is not to puff, one up, uh, puff oneself up against others, 
but to plead with them that they might set aside their idols and their sins and all those things that keep them from experiencing God and Jesus Christ and being brought unto them and being born again. That is the desire to to lift others up. And that is why it is saying that they are grieved, that their hearts are sick for their people. And they plead unto the Lord for their people, even as Jesus Christ pleads for us. They are types of Jesus Christ in pleading and interceding. Okay, and in this vein, the next bullet point is losing their life for Jesus Christ, preaching repentance and the doctrine of Christ. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Think not, this is Jesus Christ speaking, and as we read this, ask yourself, is this, would this be said by the Jesus Christ that I believe in? Or do I believe in a different Jesus Christ who is only all warm and fuzzy and nothing but love? Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Again, let me point that out. For I am come, Jesus Christ was come, to set a man at variance against his father. Why would he say that? Is it because he intends for people to hate each other or that he intends to call people to repentance? And as he calls individuals to repentance, those individuals, friends and families will turn against them. Nevertheless, that is the path to which Jesus Christ has called them. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And we'll further understand that verse 39, what that means. As we go to uh, a scripture, um, you know what? Let's just go there now. Um, Helaman 10, 4, and 5. Blessed art thou, Nephi, for, thou, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unweariness declared the word which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them, and hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will, 
and to keep my commandments. So here we see what this means to lose one's own life. Now it may be giving up one's mortal life under the hand of the sword of persecutors. It may be as Joseph and other martyrs did sealing one's testimony with one's own blood. However, not everybody is called to do that. However, everybody is called to lose their life to find it in Jesus Christ. So what that means, as we read here in Helaman 10 verse 4, And thou hast not feared them, and hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will, and to keep my commandments. That is part of repentance, where we turn our entire life, we lose our life, giving it to Jesus Christ. We we give up those things that we want out of life, whether that's a house or a car or a career or an abundance of money or travel anything that the world has to offer, we lay that upon the altar and we say, Heavenly Father, what do you want my life to be? What do you want to make of my life? Because you can make of my life far more than I can make of it. And I recognize that. And I freely give my life to you. And as we see all of these true servants, that is what they did. They gave up their homes, they gave up their livelihoods. In some cases, they gave up their families. Um, you know, Amulek had to lose his family to sacrifice in the process of turning to the Lord and keeping his commandments. And we'll come back to Helaman 10. In a little bit, but I just wanted to, it was a perfect, <laughs> a perfect tie-in to what Matthew 10 means, you know, what the Lord means in Matthew 10. John 21, 15 through 19. That's okay. Okay, John 15, uh, sorry, John 21, 15 through 19. So when they had dined, Jesus, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou, more, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdst thyself, and walkst whither thou wouldst. But when thou when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee where thou wouldst not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. And right here we can see also the genesis of, of Peter's transformation. Because after the resurrection, they obviously, right in that account, uh, prior to uh, those verses that we read, they were fishing again. They went back to their old life. But Jesus clarified to Peter and to the rest of them, do you love me more than these? They were sitting at fish. Do you love me more than these, more than this life? If you do, feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Jesus Christ's sheep are those who will hear his voice. So feeding them, true servants, call them to repentance. They share with them the true doctrine of Christ. They help them understand it, and they help them experience it. Okay, Alma 29, verses 1 and 2, and then 9 and 13. Oh, that I were an angel, this is Alma speaking, and could have the wish of mine heart that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, I would declare unto every soul as with the voice of thunder, repentance and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. And then in verse 9. I know that which the Lord hath commanded me, and I glory in it. I do not glory of myself, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me. Yea, and this is my glory, that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance, and this is my joy. He's not seeking for uh, attention or praise. He's abasing himself and saying, all I want to do is serve God. By bringing people to God. And then next. In verse uh, 13. Yea, and that same God did establish his church among them. Yea, and that same God hath called me by a holy calling to preach the word unto this people. And hath given me much success in the which my joy is full. In the transfer of our life into his hands in being born again, we cannot help or one cannot help who is truly being called of God to only want to do that. That's the only thing one wants to do as a true messenger is to bring people to Jesus Christ. Everything else is almost a burden. Um, and everything else is a burden, <laughs> just attending to, uh, you know, temporal affairs of life. But one's only desire is to, is to uh, 
to bring others to experience a mighty change of heart, being born again of Jesus Christ, and to experience that joy, because there is nothing like it on earth. There is nothing that the world can give that is like unto it, that compares. And when one awakes to that, one wants to awake others and bring them into the fold. Alma 37.29 Therefore ye shall keep these secret plans of their oaths and their covenants from this people, and only their wickedness and their murders and their abominations shall ye make known unto them. And ye shall teach them to, ab uh, to abhor such wickedness and abominations and murders. And ye shall also teach them that these people were destroyed on account of their wickedness and abominations and their murders. So sometimes it is a great joy to teach the doctrine of Christ. And it is a burden to have to teach people of great wickedness among them. Because you know it is uncomfortable because it was uncomfortable for you. And you do, do not glory in, uh, in that discomfort, but you desire to share those things that others might awaken unto God. Simply for the, <clears throat> for the principle that without a fall, we do not appreciate an atonement and redemption. Without understanding of an apostasy among us and wickedness among us. We, we do not fully appreciate a restoration. And so understanding that wickedness, we can more fully pour our hearts out unto God in gratitude for being snatched out of that apostasy. Next point. They fear, man, they fear God and not man in preaching repentance. 1 Nephi 1 Verses 18 and 19, and then chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I would that ye should know that after the Lord had shown so many marvelous things unto my father Lehi, yea, concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, behold, he went forth among the people and began to prophesy and to declare unto them concerning the things which he had both seen and heard. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things <clears throat> which he testified of them. For he truly testified. Scroll down here. Of their wickedness and their abominations. And he testified that the things which he saw and heard, and also the things which he read in the book, manifested plainly of the coming of a Messiah and also the redemption of the world. And then moving to chapter 2, verse 1. For behold, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto my father, yea, even in a dream, and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Lehi, because of the things which thou hast done, and because thou hast been faithful, and declared unto this people the things which I commanded thee. Behold, they seek to take away thy life. So whatever fear Lehi may have had in going and sharing the things that he was given from the Lord, Nevertheless, he overcame it, and he sought he he feared God more than man. First Nephi seven verses 
8 through 15, and then 16 through 18. And now I, Nephi, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, therefore I spake unto them, saying, Yea, even unto Laman and unto Lemuel, behold, ye are my elder brethren, and how is it that ye are so hard in your hearts and so blind in your minds that ye have need that I, your younger brother, should speak unto you, yea, and set an example for you? How is it that ye have not hearkened unto the word of the Lord? How is it that ye have forgotten that ye have seen an angel of the Lord? Yea, and how is it that ye have forgotten what great things the Lord hath done for us in delivering us out of the hands of Laban, and also that we should obtain the record? Yea, and how is it that ye have forgotten that the Lord is able to do all things according to his will for the children of men, if it so be that they exercise faith in him? Wherefore, let us be faithful to him. Again, he's hearkening to pointing them to the Lord. And if it so be that we are faithful to him, we shall obtain the land of promise, and ye shall know at some future period that the word of the Lord shall be fulfilled concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. For all things which the Lord hath spoken concerning the destruction of Jerusalem must be fulfilled. For behold, the spirit of the Lord ceaseth soon to strive with them. For behold, they have rejected the prophets. And Jeremiah have they cast into prison. And they have sought to take away the life of my father, insomuch that they have driven him out of the land. And now behold, I say unto you, if, that if ye will return unto Jerusalem, ye shall also perish with them. And now if ye have choice, go up to the land. And remember the words which I speak unto you, that if ye go, ye will also perish. For thus, for thus the Spirit of the Lord constraineth me that I should speak. So that is the key. Nephi was not speaking of himself in this instance. He was not simply fed up with his brothers and in their case and their hard-heartedness and their complaining. He was speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, which constrained him to say those hard and direct words. And it came to pass that when I, Nephi, had spoken these words unto my brethren, they were angry with me. And it came to pass that they did lay their hands upon me, for behold, they were exceedingly wroth, and they did bind me with cords, for they sought to take away my life, that they might leave me in the wilderness to be devoured by wild beasts. And these kind of actions will be playing out again shortly and before the coming of the Lord. Verse 17, but behold, <clears throat> but it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, according to my faith which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, even give me strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. And it came to pass that when I had said these words, behold, the bands were loosed from off my hands and feet. And I stood before my brethren and spake unto them again. So they just attempted to, uh, it, they just bound him and left him for dead. And yet he was loosed and went to speak to them again. So he feared God more than man. Let's go back to Helaman 10, <clears throat> verse 4 and 5 again. Again, blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unweariness declared the word which I have given thee. 
unto this people, and thou hast not feared them, and hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will, and to keep my commandments. And now, because thou hast done this with such unwearyingness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word. For thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. This is Nephi, the son of Helaman, who is demonstrating and who receives the sealing power, which we're going to be talking about shortly, because of his faithfulness in fearing God and not fearing man, in doing those things which he is commanded to do, in keeping the commandments. It says in the scriptures, keep the commandments. This is what it means. Receiving commandments, uh, you know, seeking the will of the Lord, acting on those commandments, and doing that with greater and greater devotion as the tasks become harder and harder. And yet, one does not turn their hand from the plow or turn back to their old life. We're going to talk now, the last bullet point, acting with the power of God. Third Nephi Verse or, uh, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. <clears throat> and it came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels, and also the voice of the Lord, therefore having seen angels, and being eyewitness, and having had power given unto him that he might know concerning the mystery of, ministry of Christ, and also being eyewitness unto their quick return from righteousness and their wickedness and abominations. So he's seeing angels. Therefore, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, went forth among them in that same year and began to testify boldly repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did minister many things unto them, and all of them cannot be written, and a part of them would not suffice. Therefore, they are not written in this book. And Nephi did minister with power and with great authority. And it came to pass that they were angry with him, even because he had greater power than they. For it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. For so great was his faith on the Lord, that, uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ, that angels did minister unto him daily. And in the name of Jesus, he did cast out devils and unclean spirits, and even his brother he did raise from the dead, after he had been stoned and suffered death by the people. And the people saw it and did witness of it, and were angry with him because of his power. And he did also do many more miracles in the sight of the people in the name of Jesus. Now, just for context that we won't go into in depth right now, but these things are being done as Nephi, the son of Nephi, has only the Aaronic priesthood, having been ordained and likely sealed to it, not yet receiving the Melchizedek priesthood, which he would receive in 3 Nephi 11. So there are many things, many ways in which we can We can experience the power of God and that we can 
see the power of God being used through others in different stages of their their authority that has been allotted them. Okay, next, Acts 3, 2 through 9. We have five more scriptures to go through, and then we'll close. <clears throat> so Acts 3, 2 through 9. And a certain lame, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Now, before I read the next verse, somebody might say, See, they're inviting somebody to pay attention to them, to focus on them. But he is... At this time, the process of receiving and acting on revelation, Peter, in this moment, is receiving by the power of the Holy Ghost that this man is to be healed. And he is attracting his attention that he might focus and he might exercise faith. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leapt up, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Next, First Nephi seventeen fifty three through 55. And we read 55 earlier as one of our bullet points, but we'll, 53 through 55, we'll get a more full account as this power. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto me, stretch forth thine hand again unto thy brethren, and they shall not wither before thee, but I will shock them, saith the Lord. And this will I do that they may know that I am the Lord their God. And it came to pass that I stretched forth my hand unto my brethren. And again, not of his own will, nor his own idea, but the Lord commanded him. He received revelation to do something, and he acted on it. He exercised faith in this moment. It came to pass that I stretched forth my hand unto my brethren, and they did not wither before me. But the Lord did shake them, even according to the word which he had spoken. And now they said, We of a surety... We know of a surety that the Lord is with thee, for we know that it is the power of the Lord that has shaken us. And they fell down before me and were about to worship me, but I would not suffer them, saying, I am thy brother, yea, even thy younger brother. Wherefore, worship the Lord thy God and honor thy father and thy mother, and thy day, that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee. Nephi knew it was not his own power that did it. He put that in the record. It was the Lord who had the power and who was exercising the power through the conduit of Nephi, and he did not take that glory unto himself. JST Genesis 14, 
27 through 31. You know what? Before we go there, let's go to 3 Nephi 27, 9 through 11. We'll save JST Genesis and Helaman 11. So, 3 Nephi 27, 9 through 11. Verily I say unto you that ye are built upon my gospel. Therefore, ye shall call whatsoever things ye do call in my name. Therefore, if ye call upon the Father for the church, if it be in my name, the Father will hear you. And if it be so that the church is built upon my gospel, then will the Father show forth his own works in it. And this is key, and we'll come back to it. But if it be not built upon my gospel, but is and is built upon the works of men or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you, they have joy in their works for a season, and by and by the end cometh, and they are hewn down and cast into the fire, from whence there is no return. So God destroys those who who are not his, though they may claim to be his. And he destroys those churches that blaspheme his name, claiming to be his, and yet they are not. And the proof is that, back in verse 10, the Father does not show his works into any but a but the true church. And what are the Father's works? They're the things that only Father can do. They're things that only can be manifested from heaven. That is why I said earlier, if we have not experienced the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost as described in uh, Helaman 5 and 3519, then we have not experienced the full baptism that only comes from heaven. A warmth in the heart or feeling good is not the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And though men may place hands upon our heads and pronounce words, if we do not have this experience, we have not received it. So, unless true servants are laying hands, or I should phrase it, unless we are receiving the true physiological experience of fire and burning and purging in our entire being under the hands of one who has that authority and that direction from God, we are not being ministered to by true servants. But if one lays hands on our head and we have this experience, they are a true messenger and they are a true servant. Because just as was happening, as was described by Nephi putting forth his hand and shocking his brethren, it wasn't him. It was the Lord doing it. And it is yet the Lord, it is Father who gives Christ the leave to adopt a person. It is Christ who makes that judgment 
before taking that case to father saying they have done everything that I have asked them to do. Will you allow me to administer the baptism of fire and of the Holy ghost? And then Jesus Christ, whether by an angel or a mortal who has this authority, he gives them that direction that they might engage in the work of the Lord to lay on hands and to administer the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, JST Genesis 14, 27 through 31. And thus, having been approved of God, he was ordained an high priest after the order of the covenant which God made with Enoch. It being after the order of the Son of God, which order came not by man, nor the will of man, neither by father nor mother, neither by beginning of days nor end of years, but of God. And it was delivered unto men, we can scroll down, by the calling of his own voice, according to his own will, unto as many as believed on his name, for God having sworn unto Enoch and unto his seed with an oath by himself, that every one being ordained after this order and calling should have power by faith to break mountains, to divide seas, to dry up waters, to turn them out of their course, to put at defiance the armies of nations, to divide the earth, to break every band, to stand in the presence of God, to do all things according to his will, according to his command, subdue principalities and powers, and this by the will of the Son of God, which was from before the foundation of the world. We'll forego the, the final scripture. If you want to look it up, it's Helaman 11, uh, 4 and 5, and 12 through 17. They're examples of Nephi, the son of Helaman, who had received the sealing power by the word of the Father. And he went forth and was exercising that sealing power. But this, these powers, these, if we can go back to it, to the words, GST Genesis 14. I scroll up to, let's see, right. Yeah, right here. So in 30 and 31. To uh, have power by faith to break mountains, to divide the seas, to dry up waters, to turn them out of their course, to put at defiance the armies of nations, to divide the earth, to break every band, to stand in the presence of God, to do all things according to his will. These are... Uh, no, these are things that are going to be seen, that are going to occur. And as I close my last presentation, uh, part one of this series, with my testimony that Joseph Smith is back on the earth. He's not yet back on the scene, but when he is, he will be using this power. He is the true servant. And 
Jesus Christ expects us to recognize and to give heed unto true servants because they lead to him and they are used by him. And Jesus Christ is and will use Joseph Smith, whether he announces himself as Joseph Smith or whether uh, by another name, just to reiterate the scripture in DNC 4, or not 4, sorry, 45. At that day when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled, which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. Joseph Smith will come on the scene. He will teach with power and authority. He will act in humility, pointing to Christ and not to himself or other men. He will have concern, he does have concern, for the welfare of his people. He is losing his life in Jesus Christ and preaching repentance and the doctrine of Christ. He fears God more than man in preaching repentance. And he will act with the power of God. And though there are those who deny that this power has been restored, and I bear witness that it was lost. After the death of Joseph Smith, it left from the earth, but it has been restored, and I bear witness of that. And when Joseph comes on the scene, he will say uncomfortable things, and he will call to those who are in darkness, and if they will not leave darkness, and they will love darkness more than light, they will be destroyed. And that is why we do these presentations, that we might do that work of inviting people to understand the true new covenant, the true new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, of the true doctrine of Christ, of the true baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and the invitation to enter into the rest of the Lord that is not given only to certain people in high places, but is given to the lowly who will abase themselves before the Lord, that he may exalt them. And bear witness that all of these things are true, and these things are about to unfold in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.